Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, welcome back to the Dear Prudence podcast. This is Mallory, otherwise known as Dear Prudence. And this week we've got Jasmine Guillory with us in the studio. So please set your excitement levels to high. Um, I I obviously just arrived here at the studio. Not obviously, you didn't know that. Um, But I, I wanted to see if there's anyone else out there who does something that I do, which is I feel that I have the opposite of road rage. As soon as I get behind the wheel of a car, I get aggressively chill. Like, the more upset people around me get, the more I'm determined, like, the eternal middle child to just, like, help everyone get along and remind ourselves that it's not that bad and we're all going to get where we're going. Um, I'm like the Jack Johnson of people driving. Jack Johnson, the singer, not the boxer, obviously. The guy who's always, like, playing the guitar when you walk into a Hollister store. Slow down, everyone, yo. This morning, as I was driving here, I got really suavely cut off. I I don't know if you've ever been in a sort of zipper merge that's very slow, but like very clearly delineated. This car goes, then this car goes, and this guy just sort of zoomed in ahead of me. And we locked eyes, and we both had our windows rolled down, and all I could do was make direct eye contact and say, point taken. And he just sort of started laughing at me and then continued to drive away. Um, and it was just a sort of wonderfully unnecessary interaction I had with another human being. Um, but I, I did. I almost admired it. Like, it was a very egregious violation of the zipper merge. But what can you do except for, like, suggestion noted? Because sometimes people are determined to zip ahead of you. And um, getting mad makes me feel like I have ceded my personal control to someone else. And I don't like that feeling. So I generally tend to go really weirdly old timey, like, and a tip of the cap to you, sir, which is not how I sound in real life at all. Anyways, don't get mad when you're driving is the moral of this story. So on the subject of reader feedback, I've been getting a lot of responses over the last week to a letter that ran in the column earlier uh, about a woman who gave away her mother's dog while her mother was having surgery. And this will shock none of you to know that I would like to reiterate that I stand by my original position. I cede no ground to any of you. I disagree not a whit with what I said to begin with, which is that you should not give away someone else's dog. Um, There were a lot of people kind of sympathizing with the letter writer who absolutely had been going through a lot. Her her grandmother had recently died. Her mother had been in surgery. They had a very contentious relationship, and it sounds like her mother had been a very um, painful presence in her life for a very long time. And I don't mean to suggest that she should have just kept the dog in her house while it was harassing her other dog. But I'm going to go ahead and continue to make the ruling that you cannot give away other people's dogs without checking in. You can call them and say, hey, this isn't working. I'm going to find a temporary place for the dog to go elsewhere. Or you can say, you need to make other arrangements. I can no longer care for your dog. But no matter how much a jerk your mom is, 
And no matter how much you don't like her and no matter how much you would like to not be connected with her, if you agree to look after her dog, you don't get to give it away. So the guest in our studio today is uh, Jasmine Guillory, who is a good friend of mine. She is a lawyer and a writer who lives in the Bay Area, as do I. I live in the Bay Area. I do not also law. I am not a lawyer. Um, but she is my friend, and she is here to talk about things with me and to fight with me, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Mallory. I am also really looking forward to it, but I, at this point, will not fight with you yet because I totally agree with you that you should not give away someone else's talk. I felt like that was kind of a slam dunk. Yeah. I was actually a little surprised to get any pushback uh, on that front at all. There Um, are so many other solutions to a difficult dog problem than giving away a stranger, a stranger's dog, your mother's dog, nobody's dog should you give away. I just like when you have to say the sentence, so I gave away her dog. No, no. No. What can you add to that sentence that makes it that makes it okay? No, none of that's okay. You got to double check. Mm -hmm. You got it. That's what the villain does in like. A movie like Homeward Bound. Yeah. Even in Homeward Bound, I think it was an accident. I mean, they gave away the dogs to live in the woods because they didn't think they could live in this. I just saw Homeward Bound again. Um, I don't know. Again? How many times have you seen it? I mean, it came out in like 1993. It was uh, like prime animal movie watching time for me. And, you know, Michael J. Fox was like a scrappy mutt who didn't trust anyone. And I want to say Jack Palance voiced the older dog, but I know that that's not true. Um, somebody like him. Somebody like yeah. Jack Palance. I also am just thinking of Jack Palance because I just watched City Slickers, uh, which is another movie that really holds up. It does hold up. That's it's true. such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good movie. And it's such a wonderful movie because it has two characters in it who are essentially Ben and Jerry. And that's such a specific thing to make fun of. That is true. It's like, what if Ben and Jerry were on a like trail ride with you and they were really irritating about ice cream? Yeah. I mean, that's basically the movie. That's the point of the entire movie. Um, Anyways, yes, City Slickers is good. Jasmine is good. The two of us have not fought yet, but we plan on it. Um, Probably not about dogs, though. We've never really fought about anything yet, so we're about to get started. Ooh, and I'm really excited because we have your expert legal mind, which means you can say things like, as a lawyer. Oh, yeah, I'll try to work that in. Please do. Please give a lot of unnecessary legal advice (laughs) and just tell people like what they can and can't do. I'm going to try to avoid getting disbarred, but I'll I'll work on it. A laudable goal and one that I support wholeheartedly. Cool. Let's do this. I feel like the theme of a lot of the letters this week are people having a difficult time getting along with their sisters. And both of us have sisters. So again, expert, expert, yeah. Advice here. Neither of us have ever experienced conflict in our own personal lives, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, you know, we were just talking about dogs. Yeah. Um, let's so let's adjudicate the issue of cats. Jasmine, do you want to read this one? Sure. Um, the subject, cat is driving a rift between us. I live with my sister along with my cat and her dog. Lately, we've been having arguments about my cat. I adopted him a couple of years ago. Although I hadn't planned on... Planned to let him outside at all. Once spring began, he would sit by the door yowling constantly and trying to run out when we opened the door. After a couple of months of trying and failing to keep him inside, we gave up, and now he goes outside every day when the weather is nice. The issue we have now is that it turns out he's a very efficient hunter, and we regularly see him eating animals. I don't love this, but he's a cat doing cat things, and I treat him for worms, etc., so I don't think it's a big issue. My sister, on the other hand, is driven to tears by the idea and frequently yells at me when she sees or hears him at it. She says, I have two options. Keep him indoors, which I don't think we could do. We tried it first and he kept escaping. 
or put a bell on his collar so he can't catch as many animals. I really don't want a bell on his collar. I know from experience that the noise drives me insane and keeps me up all night. My sister is a very heavy sleeper, so she doesn't care about the noise. I think she's being unfair. I don't tell her what to do with her dog, even when he's behaving badly. She says I'm heartless and that I should stop him from hunting at any cost because it's cruel. Am I being unreasonable? I know this is a stupid issue, but we've been fighting about it a lot lately. That's that's a lot. That is a lot. It's heartless versus, well, I hate your dog, but I haven't been saying anything about it. Yeah, Which is, you know... Uh, rough. All right. Uh, take us, get us started. Take us away. What I mean, do you my think? My first question for this one is really like, do you need to keep living with your sister? <laughs> because it seems like there's some conflict there. It seems maybe you and your sister would just be happier if you lived in different places. And she didn't see your cat hunting all the time. Mm-hmm. That would solve their problem. Yeah. As far I mean, as sometimes, concerned. you know, Living situations are complicated, right? Sure. And you can't always just move out. But, I mean, it seems sure. like that could help solve the problem. There also was not even, usually in a letter like this, there'll be something like, I live with my sister and everything's great except for one problem. Yeah. And this was just, I live with my sister, here's my problem. And we've been we've been fighting about it a lot recently. Right, right. Maybe just, you don't have to deal with the fighting anymore and don't live with your sister anymore. Okay, so on the one hand, we have just move out. Um, which you could do. Yeah. You could definitely do. Like, maybe the two of you are not compatible roommates. Um, I'm not seeing anything in this letter that suggests otherwise things are fantastic and we have regular, I don't know, barn dances. Um, and we just love the heck out of living together. Um, so you could move out and your cat could kill as many animals as it wants. All the time. Um, I feel like, was there not just an article a year or two ago about, like, a massive study where scientists just put a lot of what were essentially little GoPros on cats' collars. Yes, and they kill a lot of birds, right? Yes, like beautiful songbirds, yes. which we already don't have enough it's of. Very, it, and I will state for the record... State it. ...that I am not really a cat person. You vicious monster. And I also don't like birds. However... Wow. so you're just against <laughs> However, I will say that I'm sort of on the side of more animals living than dying, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if cats are outside killing a lot of birds, maybe try to... Stop them from doing that. Like it's even though I don't want a bird around me, I don't want to. I don't want them to die. Right. So I feel like it's better for the environment to keep the cat from killing things. Um, maybe also the bell on the collar keeps her from sleeping. Maybe she could take the collar off when she's asleep. Yeah, I, that seems like a not hideously unreasonable compromise. Which is like one time a day, take a bell off of a cat. Yeah, I don't know how difficult this I don't know is. how difficult that cat is either again like if it were my cat who often enjoys hanging out on the couch near me like I could pretty easily reach over and unclip a bell from him but if you have the sort of cat who's very like I walk alone yeah don't touch me um that could be like super challenging that you're chasing your cat down at the end of every evening like I need to sleep um maybe you, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like you could put a little velvet clapper on the bell oh, and yeah. like muffle yeah. it at night that seems extreme. that seems even harder I feel like we're both acknowledging this cat's not going to go back to being an indoor cat. Mm, I mean, if it's upset, it's yowling. Like, I don't know. Again, I'm not a cat person. So are there like cat trainers out there that can help the cat stay inside? More? There is I don't know. a man named Jackson Galaxy who hosts one of the greatest television shows of all time. My cat from hell. Mm. He looks like Guy Fieri's friendlier twin. 
and he carries an electric guitar case that he fills with cat treats. And he goes to people's houses and say things like, you need to make eye contact with your cat and establish yourself as a calming presence in the house. And then you need to determine whether or not your cat is a tree dweller or a cave dweller. Um, he's amazing, and I love his show. Well, okay, so she could watch his show. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, I, I think, right, trying to keep the cat inside, it seems like they've tried that. And the cat escapes, which you don't want, like, a constantly escaping cat. That right, seems like, like it would add a lot of anxiety to your life. A cat that is unhappy being an indoor cat, that's, that's not great. That's not great. Um, but I, I also think it's... I can see both points. I think on the one hand, it is a little absurd to not mind watching your cat eat kibble, which is made of dead animals, uh, versus watching it kill a bird, which is a dead animal. I mean, I I understand it's the difference between eating all of your meals in a butcher shop or a slaughterhouse, um, which I wouldn't necessarily want to do either. Um, But but I also do think... uh, you know, nature red in tooth and claw. Yeah. It's all bad out there. It's all bad out there. Um, but animals it, kill each other all the time. They really do. They really do. Your cat would eat your face if you died in your apartment. Yeah, that's and why I don't like cats. Well, yeah, because, like, I would never eat your face. Yeah, see? There um, you go. Unless it's absolutely necessary. And I want you to know I would save your face for last. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just... I don't that's know why kind that's, of like, good, actually. <laughs> that's, like, maybe it would be better to eat your face first. I didn't have to, like, look at your face every time I... I'm not going to eat you. All right. Let's, I guess is let's what I'm stop trying to say. Cannibalism yes. is bad. Yes. So, okay. Um, cat's not going to come back inside the house. Um, it does not seem unreasonable to me to get a bell um, and to leave it on the cat during the day. No. And when you that retire seems... at night, take the bell off. Or just take the whole collar off at night. Take the whole that, collar off as then... long as you know that it's going to be indoors all right. night. Yeah. Um, because it is good not to murder all the songbirds in your yeah. neighborhood. Like, there's no need for your cat to be hunting all these animals because it has plenty of food. So, you know, why not try to limit the number of animals that it kills? But, yeah, your sister should also relax her, her freaked outedness about this by, what do you think, 45%? Yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. That seems like a, 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 a reasonable amount to, to calm down about it. Um, yeah, and then you should move out. Like, you should be... You should both try to compromise, but then you should also probably look for a roommate. Because, like, you apparently hate her dog. Yeah. Um, her dog doesn't behave well. And, you know, she thinks you're heartless and yeah. you think she's unfair. And it doesn't sound like either one of you is kind of seeking. Those aren't good words. Yeah. Neither of you is kind of trying to give the other the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. It might Living- be better for your sisterly relationship to yeah. not live together anymore. Yeah. Because, you know, that last line, I know this is a stupid issue, but we've been fighting about it a lot lately. Like, welcome to having a sibling. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's hard to live together with a sibling, someone you know so well who can drive you up the wall and even if you know something is stupid you can't stop yourself from being like well remember when i was eight and you made me do that thing that i thought was really stupid um and yeah yeah there's just life doesn't have to be this life hard. doesn't have to be that there we go cool right. okay hi prudence my name is kate and i'm from pennsylvania i'm currently a senior in high school and i'm about to graduate and go to a very good college it's actually one of the top colleges that offers the major of my choice. However, the only reason I'm really going to this college in particular is because I had a really bad nervous breakdown my sophomore year of high school, and this college is 20 miles away, and it's the only one my parents are comfortable sending me. While I understand where they're coming from, I can't help but feel a little resentful at the same time, especially now that my my younger sister, she's a sophomore, has begun to do SAT prep. My parents have been talking about taking her to Tor Smith, Amherst, Yale, 
Brown, Harvard, all the schools I looked at and that they wanted me to go to until I had my breakdown. Prudence, while I love my sister, she is not... I worry about her. I worry that my parents are going to put all this pressure on her that they put on me, which I think contributed to my breakdown. Um, Do you think it's okay to resent them? Do you think it's okay to feel mad and sad and disappointed in myself and in them? Kay, I just wanted to say, first of all, I'm so glad that you called us and we were both just staring at each other while your voicemail was playing. And we just wish we could give you a hug oh, and yeah. take you we to the woods. We want to like, take you out to ice cream and give you a big hug. Just look at a tree and relax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, do your, your sis- do you and your sister usually get along? We um trust each other a lot. She confides in me and I in her. And while we have different interests and different kind of social experience, we talk to each other a lot and generally get along. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, we disagree at yeah, that because we're teenagers, <laughs> yeah. but uh, right. generally, generally, we're all good. So that was actually that's really helpful because that was something that I had a question about as well. Have you gotten a sense from your sister that she feels the pressure kind of in the same way that you did, where it's very painful for her, or has she not given much of a hint about how she's handling it all? What's your sense from her? The way she carries stress is a lot different than the way I carry stress. Um, I tend not to get angry. I rarely act out in anger or frustration, whereas she does. Uh Um, She opens up about her anger and frustration and psychological stress a lot more easily than I do, whereas I keep it bottled up. She complains to me. She talks about it with her friend. She talks about it with her therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, She's definitely more vocal about it, but she's not vocal at all about it with my dad. They don't really communicate. It's really focused on what he's interested in rather than what she wants and she's interested in. And actually, since I called and left a voicemail, there's been a new development, and it's not for the better. Mm. Um, He wants her to spend her junior year abroad studying in Spain as an exchange student. She does not. He has tried to bribe her with a car and a variety of other things, putting a lot of stress on her to make this decision and really trying to sell her on this, which is something she doesn't want to do, something she said she doesn't want to do since I looked into being an exchange student. Mm -hmm. She's utterly uninterested, and he doesn't seem to get that, and he asks her again every day. So one of the things that you asked in your voicemail is, like, is it okay for you to be angry at your parents and resentful about this? And I think Mallory and I will agree, yes, it is okay for you to be angry. It is okay for you to be resentful. Um, I think Awesome. I'm about due for my once a year getting angry session. Okay. (laughs) Okay, good. Be as angry as you want to be. Um, I think the best way for you to help your sister, though, is – and I think it's it's definitely okay for you to be a little resentful of your sister – if, you know, she might get to do things that you wanted to do and aren't getting to do. Um, but oh, if, no, I'm not resentful you're not. at all. Oh, okay. Okay, that's good. I imagine that part of what must be really difficult about this situation for you is the idea that your parents don't seem to have absorbed any lesson from your breakdown in your sophomore year. It sounds like, I, and I don't know, please correct me if I'm wrong, if, if they've made some sort of amends to you or, or if they've kind of modified their treatment of you, but it sounds like you experienced no, this tremendous no, breakdown from their pressures and now they're doing it again. 
they certainly learned at least some lessons with me. Their okay. treatment of me changed a lot after my inpatient hospitalization. Good. And while they're treating my sister in some of the same ways they kind of treated me and pressured me before my hospitalization, often their method or their the things they're offering, the things they're pushing her towards are very different than what they pushed me towards. They pushed me towards getting some of my research papers published. They pushed me to skip five grades. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, and they pushed me to skip five grades and start college and middle school. Oof. But they push her more socially. They push her more physically in terms of sports and her body. And, I mean, they do push her academically, but not quite to the level and not quite in the same way as I do. Right, right. It sounds like to me that maybe the way you can be the most helpful to your sister in the situation, because your parents have, at least on some level, acknowledged the pain that they caused you by their really intense expectations. Um, and it also sounds like your sister is able to voice uh, her desires in a more uh, overt way than you were able to in her position. Maybe the way that you can be the most um, help to both yourself and your sister in the situation is to be a resource to her, to be a sounding board, to, to listen to her when she expresses frustration, to advocate for her if necessary with your parents and say, you know, when you ask her every day if she wants to go to Spain and she says no every day, um, that's not unlike what you did to me when you tried to get my papers published and, and you know, force me into a breakdown. And I think it you can also... say to your sister like it is okay to say no to this you know Mm -hmm. to make sure that she knows that you have her back um and that she can keep saying no she can keep trying to do just what she wants to do especially for something like a trip to spain which i think a a lot of people would have trouble saying no to because it sounds just like a pure opportunity like what kind of a person would turn down a trip to spain and the answer is a lot of people for for a wide variety of reasons she might not want that and that can be something that's almost more difficult to say no to because it feels like well this is a gift and you're being ungrateful and to just be reminded that you do not have to accept every gift that is handed to you you don't owe somebody else gratitude uh, and if sometimes you don't... gifts are a Trojan horse, and that did not exactly. end well. Yes, and yes. sometimes you know you can recognize that you're not ready for something like that yet. Yeah, right. Like sometimes you know a year abroad is not a thing that's going to make me happy. Yeah, and I don't have to do it. Yeah, I can wait until I'm in college to do that, or after college, or never, or never. Yeah, and some that's people fine. thrive, and some people won't. Yeah. And I think there's sometimes this idea, man, if you have the opportunity to live on the other side of the world, what teenager wouldn't want to get away from their family? Um, And I think to just realize everyone's real different and they're wired super differently. And you don't have to have an excuse for why something wouldn't work for you. You can just say, I don't want it. And that's enough. Yeah, it should be enough. Sometimes to some people it isn't, but it really should be. Um, I'm definitely glad that um, you recommend, you say that my advocating for her is the right thing to do because that is what I've been doing. And I really do try to mediate between her and my parents. That's wonderful. And I think it's great for you that you've chosen a school where you feel like you're going to get the experience that you want. You don't feel like you're being forced to go there. And I think and I hope that you will have a great couple of years there and that you can you and know, congratulations. take care of yourself. Yes. Congratulations. You got into college. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. It's kind of incredible because I wasn't 100% sure I'd be able to do that this year. And really the college I'm going to ended up fulfilling all 
what I wanted and what worked for me medically. So it's awesome. I'm really happy about that. Great. Well, congratulations and good luck. Yep. Thank you very much. And thank you for taking this time to talk to me. Oh, that's such a tricky situation. I'm so glad that she, like... She sounds like she has a good head on her shoulders. I think so, too. And it's, I know that feeling of, like, seeing a younger, a younger sibling and seeing yourself in their position and thinking, how do I save them? Yeah, how do I save them from what happened to me? And it's reassuring to be reminded they're a different person and they're going to handle conflict and stress differently. But I can also be there for them and let them know what I went through. Yeah. This episode is making me want to call my sister. Mm-hmm. It's Who all I about love sisters. Very much. And my brother, too. I love him also. Yeah. But no one's talking about their brother no, right now. So. He's also not a lot of trouble. All he does <laughs> is play the guitar and surf and just, like, he's Jack Johnson, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> all right. So the subject of this letter is my little sister's being bullied, and I kind of understand why. Uh, So here's the question. My little sister is in ninth grade, the worst year, and is being lightly bullied. Nothing horrible, no name-calling or outright mockery, but she's often excluded from outings with people she thought were her friends or won't get invited to a party that everyone she knows was invited to. The problem is, I get it. My little sister is extremely annoying, obnoxious, and snippy. She does not have great personal hygiene. She'll wear the same outfit without washing it many days in a row and often skips washing her hair more than is acceptable. She never apologizes for anything, though she is often rude. She doesn't like shopping, and she's a very picky eater, so going to the mall or going out to eat is always drama-filled. That being said, she's not a bad person, just frustrating. It kills me to see her get excluded. She sobs when she finds out that she's been left out. But if I weren't related to her, I probably wouldn't be friends with her. Note, she sees the therapist every week. How do I help? Uh, I mean, I think one thing to start with here is that people act differently around their families than they do around other people, right? And so just as she's saying my sister is really annoying in these specific ways— She may not act like those ways around their friends. I'm sure that my sister describes me and acting in ways that my friends wouldn't recognize because I act different. You know, people have different personalities around their families, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think just taking for granted that your sister is annoying her friends in the way that she annoys you isn't probably the best way to start with it. But some of the hygiene stuff makes me nervous. Yeah, and I I actually feel that the hygiene stuff and the behavioral stuff are really separate issues. Yes. Okay, I agree with that. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, if apparently your parents are not saying anything when she wears the same shirts for days on end without washing, that is something that maybe a trusted family member should say. Like, hey, it's really important to wear like new clothes and new underwear on a daily basis and to shower at least like every other day, yeah. kind of bare minimum more if you're like exercising or getting sweaty, you know, wear deodorant. If your hair is greasy, you should wash it. Not everyone has to wash their hair every day, but if it's shining, if it's smelling bad, yeah. you, you should do something about that. And I think, I mean, we don't know how old this letter writer is. Mm-hmm. You know, her sister is in ninth grade, so she could be anywhere from also in high school to much older. Um, but I think that this is the kind of thing that might be better coming from... A parent? Either a parent or, like, your aunt or somebody like that. Right. right? If you have a, gr- uh, a good aunt or, like, other... Good, an adult. A, an adult, like, 
you know, trusted figure. Right. Someone is, you don't see as a peer, especially yes. an older sister who you... An I think, older sister, you're just going to be like, whatever, you, you're just annoyed with me. You just want, you know, you just want me to do whatever you do or right. something. Right. And I feel like that's really important. Like, someone has done this child, because she is a child, yeah. a disservice if they haven't had, like, a really frank conversation with her about hygiene. Like... She, you got to tell teenagers that they have to wear deodorant every yeah, day. Yeah, you know, you really do. You really do because they didn't have to do that when they were little, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you do. And someone needed to have told her that, and apparently no one did. Yeah, yeah. And and so I I feel like if you feel that your parents could do this admirably, like apparently they were able to do it with you. Like you got the message, you know, enlist them and just say like, hey, I've I've noticed she does X, Y, and Z. Can you have a gentle conversation with her where you're really clear about what sort of basic social expectations are? Um, if your parents seem not up to the job, an aunt would be great, a trusted family friend. Or, you know, if you know your, your sister goes to a therapist, call her therapist and say, your therapist isn't going to tell you anything about her sister, but you can say, these are things that I'm worried about my sister, Mm -hmm. you know? Can you talk to her about them? Okay. I think that that might be a helpful way um, to... To have someone else talk to your sister about Can those Can you do things. that? Can you call someone else's therapist? And- uh, one thing that you did not also mention, by the way, in my bio is that both of my parents are therapists. <laughs> <laughs> so you got all the ground covered. <laughs> so I will say that that is a thing that sometimes happens. They won't tell your family member anything, but right. you can. they can listen and sure. say, I will take that under advisement. So the therapist couldn't promise, I will have this conversation. Right, exactly. That is just, that is a thing that can just like go and... You know, it goes into one year. They may use it. They may not. But it's always worth taking advantage of that relationship if it's a good one. Right. So that feels important to to talk about uh, because I feel like that's a big one. Yeah. Um, But but then the other stuff of, like, not apologizing even when she's rude, I mean, that's the kind of behavior that I I can also understand why people don't want to invite her over if she's the kind of person who will, like, break something at your house and then be like, well, you shouldn't have put it on the table. Yeah. Um, but I also, I mean, I remember ninth grade. But also, yeah, I mean, I sort of feel like ninth graders, they they don't apologize that much. I mean, uh, those, I feel like the behavioral stuff I pay l- a little less attention to because I, I sort of understand, you know, all teenagers act a little crazy sometimes. Like, some of them are more rude than others. Maybe she, and I'm, again, maybe she's different around her friends than she is around her sister. Well, um, I, I don't know that she is because her friends are clearly excluding her. Yeah. You know, I mean, it seems like her sister sees what's going on and is like, yeah, she does that at home too. And I understand. And one thing that we didn't get in this letter is how their relationship is. Right. Um, because, you know, if they have a close enough relationship, she can say, you know, I have, I've seen what happens when your friends exclude you. Can we talk about it? Mm. And maybe these aren't the right friends for her even, you know? I mean, maybe she can, I know, just say making new friends isn't always possible. Sure, just go to the friend store and pick some up. (laughs) But I mean, maybe it's time to try to hang out with a different crowd of people. Maybe if she does want to hang out with these people to see how do they treat you when you are with them Mm -hmm. and you know, try to work on that relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I think that's definitely a time in life when you're learning boundaries by pushing up against them. I mean, I remember 
being in seventh and eighth and ninth grade. And my friends and I were just the loudest, most obnoxious kids you could meet. We were often running into trouble with authority figures, not because we were like rebels, but just like you can't scream every time you guys have a conversation. Like you can't jump up on top of somebody else's cabinets. You can't dominate the conversation. You can't interrupt. Like, And sometimes I had to have kind of embarrassing and painful interactions with people to learn that. Um, And there's just such a difficult thing of it's difficult to tease out it's one thing not to like shopping, and it's one thing to be a picky eater. I think both of those things are totally fine. But it sounds like she's saying if she were to go to the mall or eat out with her friends, it would become dramatic and painful. So right. it's one thing to say, I can only eat a few things. There are things. plenty of picky eaters I know who aren't dramatic about it. Sure. And so I think that that I think that being dramatic and painful is the core of the issue, not being a picky eater or right. not, not liking shopping. Right. Like, I think who she is fundamentally is not wrong. She doesn't have to learn to love shopping. She doesn't have to learn to be able to eat, like, anything that's put in front of her. Um, but she does have to learn, um, you know, consideration for other people yeah. and realize that if you're going to be part of a group, you don't always get to say things have to be done in the way that make me the most comfortable. The world does not revolve around you. Now, how do you tell someone that as their older sister That's is the real question. The problem. I mean, I think I think the thing I would stress is I would not bring these things up if she is crying to you. No. Like the moment when she finds out she wasn't invited to someone's birthday party is not to say, hey, you know, sometimes you're really rude. That's a time to to just love her. Like she should know that, you know. At the end of the day, no matter how bad she smells and no matter how much food she won't eat, um, she is loved. Yeah. And is worthy of love, even if she's complicated, because complicated people deserve love, too. I mean, I think this is a conversation to have when, you know, when everyone is calm, when you're getting along well. Yep. And to say, there are things that make me concerned about your relationship with your friends. Maybe we should talk about the way that you act around them and see how you can make it better. Right, right. And and not, like, if you're currently irritated with her and to, to say something like, see, this is why no one wants to hang out exactly. with you. Exactly. That's just the That's wrong way to do it. Pitfall. If but, she's rude to you, don't say, this is why your friends don't invite you to the party. No. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that might be helpful if things like that come up within the family. And because you're a little older and you can kind of see ways in which she is is learning and growing and you can kind of be a little more forgiving than her peers yeah like if she does something rude and then doesn't apologize to say hey when you do this and you don't apologize it makes me feel like you don't care about me and she sounds like a pretty direct person in a lot of ways and maybe hearing that would kind of turn a key for her in a way that saying you owe me an apology wouldn't sort of like well that's a weird formality why do i owe you an apology but to hear someone say when you do that it hurts me and makes me feel like you don't care and And it makes me not want to hang out with you yeah, and, and that might help her realize, oh, apologies aren't just formal tools we hand people because, like, they, we have to let others control our behavior so much as apologies are a way of acknowledging that someone else is just as much a person as I am yeah. and their feelings deserve consideration. This is not just going to be one conversation. No. This is going to be multiple conversations, both with your sister and with your parents as a family. Uh, some of these conversations will be supportive. Some of them will be gently critical. Some of them will be really, like, blunt of, like, you need to put on a bra and wash your shirt. Yeah. Um, but say that with love. Say that with love. Not everyone has to wear a bra if they don't want to. No, totally. Sorry. The bra was maybe not the best example. <laughs> and it can also be really acutely painful to get yes. feedback on your appearance, um, even if you are normally a person who is pretty brash. Um, especially at that age. Especially at that age. It's you're you're a sensitive little plant. Yeah. So, you know, 
You need lots of sun and water. You sure do. Yeah. So, so you know, be careful with that route because, you know, people really absorb the things you tell them about their appearance. Yeah. Um, so so try try hard to balance justice with mercy, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything you think that we're missing out? I mean, I'm really glad she sees the therapist. Yes. Um, I, I think there's an excellent chance that this, as you said, is the worst year. There's a very good chance that she will not be having these same problems when she is 30. Right. Um, or even 18. Or even 18. Yeah, she might, you know, this might be as bad as it gets. Yeah. Um, but I also I, and I, I also want to remind everyone that these are those are terrible years. Yes. Sometimes people tell you that high school is great and it's not. Yeah. I, I mean, there were some nice moments, but like overall, I would not care to go back. No. So I think, yes, this, this is a bad time. She will move on. She'll be OK. She just needs a little pu- a few pushes in the right direction. I think one thing I would advise you not to do. Um, y- your letter did not suggest to me that you would do it, but I feel like some people might give you this advice and I just want to advise you against it. Do not. intervene with her friends. Oh, no, don't do that. Um, You know, these are not battles you can fight for her. You can help her. You can make home a little bit of a refuge. Um, You can gently instruct her. um, But you can't call her friends and say, you guys just don't understand. She's a really good person. She's trying hard. You don't see the way that I do that she's she's doing her best. Um, That will not help. That will alienate her further. Um, and you're, I hope also your like if you're worried your parents would do that, um, you know, I would encourage you to encourage them not to do that. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. We haven't been fighting much at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say, like, love your sister. Encourage her to be her best self. Um, balance criticism with affection and um, be patient, but also set boundaries. Like, if she is really rude to you or does something that's really thoughtless and selfish, just sort of gently but clearly point it out. Like, That was a really selfish thing to do, and it hurt Um, because, you know, you don't want to be overly gentle with her. You don't want to withhold information that could help her improve, but you also don't want to turn into a, this is just for your own good that I'm telling you all these terrible things about why you don't deserve love. And that's a a difficult path to walk that you've got ahead of you, but you sound like... Sound like you care about your sister. You sound like a really good sister. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think I think that you're going to serve her well. I can't promise you that she's going to like blossom into this like really well adjusted, super happy person who like always apologizes when she needs to. But I think she stands a really good chance of finding just like a happier way of being with your help. Oh, Jasmine, we adjudicated so many things. We did. And I just wanted to say thank you for showing up and giving us a lot of legal advice. Thank you. It was my pleasure. If you I don't think I gave any legal advice. Actually, now that FYI. I say that, you gave no legal good, advice, good. just child of therapists advice. Yeah. Um, so what is a piece of legal advice you'd like to give everyone listening right now? Um, I would say that everyone should not do anything on your work email account that you don't want your employers to know about. <sighs> That's more employment advice, but I would say that it's a little bit of legal advice, too. How can we do that retroactively? Yes. Well, it's not really possible. Okay, fair enough. Thank you, Jasmine. My pleasure. So one thing that I'm really excited to talk about this week, which is that uh, finally they have released half an hour's worth of footage from the famous lost film by Jerry Lewis, The Day the Clown Cried. 
um, which anybody who is even nominally familiar with sort of legendary lost films of the 20th century knows that in the 1970s, Jerry Lewis of Jerry Lewis decided that he was going to make a Holocaust movie about a sad clown. Um, And not unshockingly, uh, when he finished it, realized it was so bad that if anyone else ever saw it, um, he would be ruined. So he supposedly had almost every copy destroyed and is like the only person who's ever seen it. And today they found or, or, or were able to cobble together about a half an hour's worth of footage from the film. And uh, it's available and I have it queued up. And the second I leave the studio, I'm going to watch it. Um, I mean, this is like, people talk about this. Like, this is the Jerry Lewis Holocaust clown film. This is it when it comes to movies that should never have seen the light of day. So if you are at all the kind of person who really enjoys not just bad movies, not just midnight movies, but movies that are so bad they turned into the deplorable word that destroyed Charn in The Magician's Nephew. Um, this is a half hour's worth of movie for you. This is like if if Dean Jones had decided to make a sequel to The Love Bug that was also about Pol Pot. It's just astonishing. And I also don't think that metaphor really works. I apologize to you for making it. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Casey Miner. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts, and Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. Want us to answer your question? Call and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 401-371-3327. And you may hear your answer on an episode of the show. You may not, because life is full of vicissitudes. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. If you want, you can also record your question using the Voice Memo app or equivalent on your phone. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute, tops. I got stuff to do. Send it to me at prudence at slate.com. Okay, see you here next week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Schmidt.